rocking chair. Or settlement. The trumpet sound, a shivering frost, the shining chill becomes a quake. Rise up the call, the damned, the lost, the restless throng, arise, awake! A cruel jape, the knell for fools, a pyrite mock of judgment day. Though dressed alike, the robes and jewels are costume gems for pageant play. Take up your sticks and stones and bricks, your names, your faces, grins and tears, your oldest jests, your oldest tricks, are young again for willful ears. A fire is burning somewhere near. Play on, ye ghosts, and we shall hear. Chapter One Tales of the Red Lion Inn I've always had trouble believing in death. Sure, I know people die. I know people who have died, but the science of it. Would any scientist really support a hypothesis with so little data? Okay, I have read studies. Brainwaves, right? Or really, brainwaves, then brain crash. No mas. And when it comes down to it, who we are is what our brains tell us we are, right? And then there's philosophy, which I personally find useless. There are so many steps and proofs to solve before you can apply philosophy to yourself, your everyday life. Philosophers and scientists aren't very fun at parties, come to think of it. But we have to think about death, right? It's all there really is to think about. Every subject kind of funnels there. How was work today? Great. I earned money to get food so I wouldn't starve to death. See? Okay, I might have skipped a few steps. Take that as proof that I'm actually very fun at parties. Lately, I've been a little away from myself. Or away from what I thought myself is. I still go out, I talk to people, I get coffee, but I'm sort of watching myself as I do it. I'm not there. And I just sort of started Googling about death. I'm not really anxious to get first-hand experience. Believe me, my therapist was not getting what I meant when I told her. But, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting that no one really talks about it, but are constantly talking about it. It doesn't take long to find ghost stories. The internet is full of them. You'd think with modern technology, these fairy tales would have gone the way of the dodo. Ghosts? I know a lot of friends have some reason they believe in them. Kind of a core memory to hold on to. I get it. It's comforting. I don't tell people what I really think. We would know if there were ghosts or not at this point. Ectoplasm has been debunked. Creaks and shrieks. The Loch Ness Monster is a toy submarine. In case you can't tell, I don't believe in ghosts. Brainwave? Brain crash. But I believe in haunted places. Or I believe that haunted places are different than anywhere else on Earth. They're special, for whatever reason. I've been traveling more. It started with a midnight tour around the city a few months ago, and we got to go into a crypt under this old church. For the first time in a long time, I was there. I mean, there. Ghosts? No and the tour guide needed a shower. Haunted? Well, I finally felt something.
I tried to get a couple of friends to join me when I started digging through vlogs, a few podcasts. That was funny enough. They didn't want to join me when I wanted to start exploring myself, which was not, not understandable. In any case, I rented a car every couple of weekends and found some haunted areas nearby. Some unpaved roads, a couple graveyards. There are a lot of interesting mansions, but I kind of stopped looking at those because they're usually the exact same kind of abandoned Victorian house in a bad neighborhood. The only thing haunted about them was age-old white male supremacy. The fact is, everything lost its luster. It was fun going to graveyards in the middle of the night alone, but then you also realize you're just getting your socks soggy in a damp, dewy field and you go back to the crummy basement you rented. I almost gave up the ghost, don't groan, when I heard a story from my sister-in-law at brunch. There's a haunted town near where I grew up, she said. It's like the most haunted place in the world. It's all overgrown by woods. No one will go there, and no one comes back. Haunted town, huh? That intrigued me. There are houses and graveyards, but the thought of wandering the woods at night with a flashlight, I hate to say it, enthralled me. Maybe this was it. This could be the grand finale of my weird episode. So this time, I would splurge. I would book a room at a creepy old inn nearby. I'd take a week off from work, and I would have the time of my fucking life. I had butterflies. It felt so right. I caught the train that went east along the Sound and then north at the river mouth. There was a bus, and a dreary darkness enveloped the fluorescent and rickety thing. A wet fog hid the trees from the headlights, and it started to drizzle. I shivered. Last stop. Last stop. Not there yet. I had set up a car to come pick me up and take me the 20-some-odd miles up the hills to the B&B. The man who drove me was older than the usual drivers I met in the city, and unlike the city, he was Gabby. But I answered his questions. From around here? No. From, from the, the city? city? Yes. Seeing the leaves? Maybe. If only to pass the time until I could go to the bathroom. His questions answered, he took upon himself to talk about the area since I'd never been to it. What was of first and foremost importance was that the woods around here are absolutely haunted, so truly inhabited by specters that the local government is compelled to keep people away from them. And the people who do wander where the black brook runs into the dark trees do not come back or come back changed. I smiled disingenuously. He believed me. His eyes haunted the rear view, twinkling at my willing engagement. Whoa. Eyes on the road! I warned as we hit a pothole. He snorted and explained that <laughs> there's, there's no, no avoiding this on old country roads. Carriages paved them, not cars. I eyed the sheer edges and noted all that guarded us from the cliffs below were expressionless markers that looked remarkably like headstones. At last, and rather suddenly, we arrived next to a row of tall hedges which hid a red barn with a little red door, above which a sign swung in the wind. Red Lion Inn! It creaked. I thanked the driver as he popped the trunk and I pulled my coat over my head and dragged my luggage through the little red door. I loved every minute of it. 
As I pridefully and mysteriously slammed the door open this solemn night, I caught several amber eyes looking at mine from around a colonial and fire-furnished parlor. A grandfather clock talked at me in the small foyer as if clicking its tongue for tracking in the damp. A man who, I kid you not, was wearing an apron over a blue coat with golden buttons leapt up from his armchair and strode over to me fiddling in his pocket. It was as if he just remembered I would be here, and of course I was supposed to be here in the first place, but confound it, he lost the time and had wanted to double check that the maid had prepared my room correctly. He relayed as much to me as he handed me the key to my bedroom and led the way up a spindly stairwell in the dark. As I was swept up to the landing, I couldn't help but see the crimson and black parlor and its three or four inhabitants guide me up with their stairs. The wood was oak or walnut, black and polished, so it caught a little bit of the fire, though it was long behind us. The host kept his elbows tucked in, and I decided to follow suit. Walls in these old houses are built closer together. We found my room, which was a cozy, full mattress on a Victorian frame, a wide window with a flat seat by it, a desk with a dim yellow lamp just hardly bright enough for reading, and a framed charcoal piece, depicting what, I guessed, were the woods outside. It was all perfect. My shepherd nodded in his own satisfaction and bid me come down for a drink on the house with his companions. With relish, I unpacked my clothes, showered in the small washroom, and threw on a sweater to go down to the parlor. It seemed wrong to wear my old hoodie. As I came down, I heard muttering and sputtering, former from the guests and latter from the crinkling birch. Above the fireplace hung an old guitar, emblazoned with a kind of intricate lace of vines and flowers. The head resembled a skull, which looked like it was winking at me. My host greeted me with a tall, hot toddy, rich with cinnamon and cloves, and had me sit right next to him. Surrounding us were four other individuals, a young man whose thin black clothes showed off wild tattoos and whose shaggy hair made me glad I had a rinse. Next to him was an old lady doing what else but knitting through her spectacles which danced with the embers. It looked as if she were clad in her own handiwork, and she smelled of stale cigarettes. Across from her was another woman, about 40, and wearing clothes that made you want to check the label. She had glasses too, but these were large and chic. And lastly, the man on the other side of my host creaked along in an old rocking chair in a red cigar jacket. He was large, jowled, and if you can believe it, smoking a fat stogie. I glanced at my host, who pointed at a fan above us. The fire hardly goes up the chimney anyways, he whispered. He whispered because the man in the rocking chair was telling a story. I couldn't catch what was going on this late in, but it didn't seem authentic. That and his phrases were in rhythm with the chair, so I couldn't concentrate on anything else other than the back and the forth of the words and the wood and the floor. If it were about anything at all, the story was about... Women he slept with, annotated with anecdotes about how everything is awful these days. The toddy was hot, and the fire was just the right amount of cozy that pairs so well with a shower on a cold night. I was half aware my head was nodding when the codger had concluded. Things aren't what they were, everyone agreed, and the man in the rocking chair smiled knowingly. It was silent for a moment. Or 
as silent as a room with a rocking chair and fire and the click-click of knitting needles can be. Then the shaggy-haired boy coughed. <coughs> we all turned. Should we tell the one about that rocking chair? The man in the chair swiveled to look at it as if he were unaware that it was a rocking chair in the first place. And there it was. The same skull was winking at me at the top where his head had been leaning. The same design as the guitar. Our host said... It's, it's a, a very old chair, but, but I'm not entirely sure how it came here. A lot of stuff is like that. He reasoned. Everyone picks up junk as the years pile on if you stay put long enough. The young man, the shaggy-haired boy, looked around at us all one by one. When the awful moment came that he looked at me, he smirked. I looked again at the rocking chair, and so did he. And then he stood and lifted the guitar from the mantel. Ghost stories now, huh? I was used to other tourists at places like these waxing poetical. I liked the ghost stories as window dressing, not content. It always ended in everyone giving their personal horror stories to one-up each other, waiting around to be ooed at. All right, son. If you're going to carry this tale, be careful in the telling. Our host held up a wagging finger beside me. Hear this, everyone. I know this story far too well. We are about to be caught in it the whole night through. That's how long it takes. This is a story that takes place right here, right outside, in this wood. It is not very concerned with time, like nature itself. Also, like nature, it is easy to get lost. And that's where the terror lives. I warn again, young man, be careful in the telling. The shaggy-haired boy smiled that awful smile once more. Then he strummed and sang. Wander down where the black brook run. They say there was a hollow. Trees so dense you forget the sun. And you can't hear a swallow. On your mama's knee did she tell you so. Never go, no, never follow. And you knew, no, never follow. But the brook she calls to in a house 200 years ago, somewhere in the woods outside, a woman in that same rocking chair with a daughter. Tell it again, Mother, now that Patrick Barrows is asleep. Your brother is awake. Constance, come to bed. Settle down. We won't wake father if you listen quietly. Yeah, so shush. You shush. <laughs> Many fools thought they'd have some fun or sought to quench a yearning. When you walk where the black brook run, they say there's no returning. Somewhere in the trees did we lose them all. One by one, the wicks are burning. Journeys end with no sojourning. But the wheel of rod keeps turning. 
Patrick Barrows, you're trembling. How are you such a fraidy cat? I'll make you a fraidy cat. <laughs> Children, settle. <laughs> oh, fraidy Patrick Barrows. You shouldn't mind ghosts. Or do you only feel safe in your silly little poems? I'm not scared of ghosts. I just don't like them trying to scare me. And my poems aren't silly. Ghosts are not trying to scare you. What are they trying to do? stare? Of course. I can't see his eyes. Constance! You woken father! Patrick Barrows, we had an agreement. I'm sorry. Father, love! Back to bed, both of you. Patrick Barrows, we're up at the first cockcrow. I'll not have you too tired to carry the stones. Yes, sir. Screaming at this hour. Why, Constance? The ghost, father! Bed. The both of you and Patrick Barrows. If this happens again, the strap. He'll be up on time. There's no need to be so strict. That's not what I'm worried about. I'd be up anyway. I can't sleep the same anymore. But you must try. When the doctor I'll came... I'll heal or I won't. I can't force myself to do anything. You will heal. We'll see. These stories, Mary, they frighten the children. Can you tell something tamer? They ask for these stories, Patrick. Too much fiction. They believe you. They see ghosts everywhere. It's not in their interest to believe in these things. They're here, Patrick. They've always been here. They're here right now. <laughs> I'll talk to the general about this. He renovated this house. If anyone knows something, he might. In any case, come to bed. In a moment. Fine. What do you do down here, all alone so long? I listen. I love you. Good night. Good night.
nothing else tonight? No wails or songs left in you? Don't worry, I'm here to protect you too. Hello? Hello? I won't play this game, stay or don't. I'm going to- You're already playing. Every tale can begin with one Right where the brook went wending Someone built where the black brook run The wheel of rot impending Some may look the same, some may act apart But at heart they share an ending And betwixt is just pretending All the world is just an ending He stopped playing, and I took a sip of my toddy. It was going to be one of those nights, wasn't it? The old codger stood up as if having sat on a thumbtack. This chair? The shaggy-haired boy nodded solemnly. The codger dusted off his buttocks and stood by the mantle. So, what, what happened to the family? Asked the woman in the expensive shawl. I will tell you, but there are other things to tell as well. If we're going to talk about the rocking chair, and that's the story. There's no real story otherwise. The shaggy-haired boy continued on. One hundred years later. He spoke of skyscrapers rising, the scent of smoke, and the air tightened into the unmistakable atmosphere of a cold evening in the city. Cars you'd only see in auto shows zoomed and tooted about the streets. Metropolitan and Art Nouveau styles mingled like so many stars and moons. Women wore furs and men wore hats. Two members of this lost society waded through. An older man with great pomp and an even greater disposition, with his severe and judgmental wife, who looked as if she could smell a bad odor before anyone else. They marched from under the marquee of a theater, thusly called Majestic. After some deliberation, they settled on a French bistro a block west. The host at the restaurant panicked at the sight of them and led them to what he thought was a fine table, but shouldn't he have known better? Thank goodness it's not crowded. I'm famished. Me too. I know you said we oughtn't eat before, your digestion notwithstanding, but I nearly ate my glove at intermission. I really did. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry, too. That thing was three hours. Three hours, Henry. I didn't like it. That is evident. It was just a little much. Twee. I thought it was pretty imaginative. Hokey, then. Guitars and sickly mothers and ghost stories. I never liked any of the three. Like one of these folk singers all the kids think they are. 
The younger generation has a lot they'd like to say. Well, let them say it, not yodel it. Or write some decent music. I thought you liked that kind of culture. But not in the theater. American musical theater is one thing, the beatniks, another. We have a tradition here on Broadway. A raison d'etre, think of the lyrics of Irving Berlin, Yip Harburg. Love songs, not these conceptual meanderings. Is the op-ed concluded? <laughs> Food's here. You had better not have gas. I actually liked the performance a lot. I see potential in it. Potential? Maybe. Ghost stories are everywhere, Harry. I can see why they made this musical. It speaks to our time. How so, Mr. Editor? Uh, what with urbanization and economic boom after the war, we've forgotten nature. Uh, we've pushed it all aside for Levittown and the like. And the ghosts are reaping a terrible vengeance on we socialite heathens. Well away! Ghosts can't act that way. They have to work in other ways. They work like longings, like nostalgia. And what makes you such an expert? I grew up around a place that was supposedly haunted. Hundreds of stories. I assure you, I can't remember them. But you know, I would always go to those woods, a breed below the treetops. Never saw a ghost, but I understand what people think they are. I never pegged you for a crank. Not that they exist like Washington Irving or anything, but haunted places live with you like no place else. The details keep coming back. So I've been thinking, and I've thought this before tonight, but, but tonight made me sure. We ought to move out of the city. You aren't ready to retire yet, are you? Not yet, but I'm ready to start easing my way out. Uh, we'll move and we'll stay out on weekends. Uh, maybe you can even stay during the weeks and set up our little old-timer's nest. Uh, and you can even pick up your artwork again. Uh, if you'd like, of course. I, I don't know. I don't like this. Where would we go? The Catskills? I was thinking of going home. Nova Scotia? How convenient. Oh, it's not that far anymore. Only a few hours by train. And I miss the natural world, Harriet. I miss the air in my lungs. Now, this city is no place to be old. Even with elevators? Uh, well, uh, let's think about it. Listen here. We have to agree on this. Do you remember what you promised me? How you said we'll do everything together when you decided we wouldn't have any children? I said, let's think about it. The boy had stopped speaking. I looked at him to see why he stopped. It looked like he was about to cry. You all right? I asked aloud. My companions shivered at the shattered silence. The boy spoke. This last strand of the story is always hard to tell. Sorry. Take this. The woman who was knitting offered him an old hanky. He dabbed his eyes. Our host looked at him. You've started it, and, and now, now you, you have, have to see, see it through. through. Carefully. Carefully. He added. The boy began again. Today. And in it, he described the very same roads I had taken that evening by bus and by driver. It was a naked, alien feeling to know so well the world of this story. 
I knew the young woman driving the gray used passenger car alone. She was barely a young woman. I didn't turn right. When I drove towards the campus, I didn't turn right. At the turn, where I turn, where the road has been cleft. I didn't turn right. And so I turned left. Then the gaslight is on. Why, 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 why did I do that? Yes, it is true that I would rather be anywhere else, anywhere else. When I woke up this morning, how I was prepared. Not a bit worried, not at all scared. Highlighted quotes, reread my notes. This little one-on-one -on -one would have been done undone. Driving on home and not stressed and bereft. And still I turned left. It's been an hour since a fork in the road and I don't know what to do. I wish that the world would just quiver and break in a million pieces and then I could be someone different and new. Someone who didn't blow off her advisor. No one the wiser, not in a jam. Just clarifying, that's not who I am. So maybe she might not have liked her advisor. Who then denies her makeup exam? But that's not who I am. I am now lost, and the gaslight is on. I am now lost, but a good kind of lost. It's not in the cost, it's all how you spend your good kind of lost. It's like an adventure, I study psychology, I have to learn. One in my psyche decided to turn at the basketball court. Where I meant to turn starboard, and where I turn port. On a road I've never met, watch the plazas fade and the weeds invade. Oh, this road I've never met is a road I'd soon forget. Watch the houses hide from view with an apple pine at you, with an I would have two lovers, one for nights and one for days. The night lover would have dark eyes and long hands and speak in a whisper. The day lover would kiss me and take me to places where autumn is brighter and crisper. The great and wonderful eye this whole and wonderful life. I am the girl I've never met with a bed that's made on a glassy glade. Just a Joan I've never met. Other Jones will just forget. Other Jones who fail degrees. Other Jones not other bees. But the bee I am who came from a town who never named. From a town who 
beautiful here. Is that a hiking trail? She hid the car key in her tire well, grabbed a sweatshirt from the trunk, and set off into the gaping, hungry entrance of the nature trail. My eyes fell on the chair. I blinked. It might have been a trick of the perspective, but was that a face? Young, with a tightly collared neck, a jacket, breeches? Like he was being constructed before my eyes like the Cheshire Cat, but with this strange fading sensation like an old silent film. Uncanny. I looked around to see if the others were experiencing this same sensation and my stomach dropped to see that they had. They were all stock still, flushed, and eyeing the chair. In his thin, small hands, he held a little notebook. I caught his name. I knew it, the son from the family. Patrick Barrows. It had to be. The shaggy-haired storyteller nodded at him, encouraging him. Patrick Barrows looked around sadly and opened the journal. My eyes cannot help but trace from gnarly root to noble bow, which reaches far and wide embrace of all the earth it can allow. At once I turn my head and see more mighty pillars firmly clove. So if such wonder is a tree, what word have I told a grow? I help my father plow the field and sing the hymns with folks I know. Yet all along a second yield is reaped away from human soul. How warped we are to quick dismiss the second world found within this. As soon as the little boy had finished, the lights shot up in the parlor at the Red Lion Inn and he vanished like all the other shadows. I looked behind me and the woman in the expensive shawl was standing at the light switch, her hand clutching her heart. Enough, enough is enough, she said. I started clapping. It's amazing what you're doing, I said to the storyteller and looked to our host. Is this an installation? I have been to some of these before. The Winchester Mystery House has this show and... I looked around and was met by more than a few glares. She was scared, I offered. I just wanted to make her feel better. Still the silence. I got up and helped the woman in the expensive shawl sit down again, dimming the lights as I went. I'm not trying to spoil anyone's fun. Go on, I said to the shaggy-haired boy. The rest of them were dumbfounded, but seemed to nestle in. I felt robbed. Go on, I said again. Our host then looked at me. Careful, Careful he warned. Careful. Careful. 